I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And today in our latest video issue brief in the 2021 elections, we're talking about aging policy, older New Yorkers in a graying city. Senior citizens are obviously already a big part of New York City, uh, a segment that with any luck, every New Yorker will be able to eventually experience. And their presence is only getting bigger. Projections are that over the decade we're now in, the 65 plus population will grow at about 16%, uh, five times faster than the city as a whole. Now, the pandemic might have disrupted some of those trends, maybe even made the, the graying city uh, accelerate. But by 2040, there's expected to be 1.4 million senior citizens in New York City, about the size of present day Dallas. So this is this is usually these issues and these policies that uh, impact older New Yorkers are usually don't get that much attention, don't get that much media spotlight. Um, you know, every every election for mayor, there's maybe one or two forums that you host, Jared, that uh, that that give some attention here. City Limits does a lot of great reporting on this. Candidates love to visit uh, senior centers, and you know those are closed this year. And the campaigning around appealing to seniors who vote a lot uh, is is far more limited as we engage in this election. And I think as we engage in it, you know, I'm reminded that a lot of the social safety net that we have today, a lot of what we consider big government in this country and in this city revolve around the issue of aging and especially what was the reality in the early and mid 20th century, which was an epidemic of poverty among older people. Uh, that's a big reason why FDR launched the social security program. Um, that certainly was a central reason to President Johnson during the Great Society creating uh, the Medicare program. And uh, those efforts largely succeeded, you know, um, poverty among older Americans, older New Yorkers dropped significantly. I think nationwide it dropped 70% over the 50 years since the Great Society. So it did have that impact. On the local level, um, some of the programs during the Johnson era around aging and other forms of community uh, engagement led to the creation of the city's Office of the Aging uh, during the Lindsay administration. And that became the Department for the Aging during uh, uh, Mayor Beam's time in office. Um, and so that began sort of a local focus on those issues affecting older New Yorkers. And these changes in, in policy and also obviously changes in medicine and nutrition and lifestyle and public safety have led to a demographic revolution, which is that everyone is living a lot longer. Um, as been mentioned, the you know, population is rising mainly because people are, uh, not because young people are moving out of the city, but because old people are living longer. Um, between 1960 and 2015, a life expectancy for the total population increased about 10 years from 69 or 70 years to 79.4 years. So that's a, a great thing. That's a tremendous thing. We're all living, or most of us are living much longer. Um, it's an amazing boon for individual people, um, but uh, for government and for workplaces and for families and old aging individuals, um, it also creates some serious challenges. Yeah, you know, New York City obviously always is is fairly unique. Um, although you know, there's a lot of a lot of cities with with similar situations, but you know, there's unique challenges here. There's unique advantages for New York City in dealing with an aging population. Uh, the density of the city allows for um, you know a, a lot of services, uh, sort of a rich web of these senior centers that are mentioned that 
you know, people are eager to see reopen as uh, hopefully more and more older New Yorkers are vaccinated and things are safer coming coming out, hopefully of the worst of the pandemic. Um, you know, the pandemic, again, the impact on what the city's demographics look like is still to be seen. Obviously, COVID really preyed on older people uh, and, and people with underlying conditions. And often there's a combination there. Uh, but then we also saw, you know, an apparent real slow in the birth rate, which could have impacts in the long term uh, in terms of what the population looks like. So some of those trends we'll see if if the pandemic interrupted them. But, you know, aging in New York City comes with with huge burdens. There's obviously the advantages of a huge social safety net of a very active city government. Um, but getting around New York City is extremely difficult. Um, and there's there's challenges of all kinds in, in terms of the transit system, but also just navigating uh, the streets, navigating all the tall buildings that we have, you know, when there's elevators that go out at NYCHA complexes, for example, there's all sorts of challenges for older New Yorkers, um, even as many get to, you know, experience a, a lot of the benefits of what New York City does for seniors and then just has to offer for people uh, of all ages and, and older people. And I think one thing that people who operate in this policy area are always quick to mention is this is an issue that intersects with basically every other issue. So all the things we talk about in terms of challenges New York City faces generally are also grafted onto aging. The fact that New York City has a fairly large number of undocumented immigrants, obviously that is especially complicating for uh, older New Yorkers in terms of what kind of benefits and services they can access. Um, the fact that New York City has a fairly large low income population obviously means a lot of seniors are also in or close to that status and that obviously poses challenges for them chiefly, but also for government. So that helps to kind of create the background that recent mayors have operated in. And there has been a recognition by, by many mayors and especially the last two, that this is an issue that's not only important but changing, becoming perhaps more important as the city grays. Mayor Bloomberg had something called the Age-Friendly NYC Initiative. This was sort of a creation of a strategy for aging policy. Um, bringing different forces and voices together to map out how the city could make itself more age friendly with some policies flowing from that. Mayor de Blasio is spending more money on aging and services for the aging than his predecessor. And that's earned him some credit, but obviously some criticism too. Uh, criticisms about the ways that the contracts for senior meal, meals have worked and the amount of um, uh, burden that places on the nonprofits that manage that program. A lot of criticism on housing, um, the role of senior housing in his housing plan, um, especially when it comes to NYCHA, which in many cases forms its own kind of senior housing. Uh, and especially during the pandemic, questions about the funding and the array of services at senior centers, the question of whether and how we're going to get services at senior centers back up and running because that's such a lifeline for older New Yorkers and it's been closed obviously since the early days of the pandemic. Just in recent days, Mayor de Blasio has announced a, a large stream of funding, a new stream of funding called the Community Care Plan, a five-year plan that involves uh, maybe creating 25 additional either older adult centers or NORCs, naturally occurring retirement communities, which is basically where they locate services where all New Yorkers just kind of are, um, kind of a, a elegant plan the city's had for years. De Blasio has talked about uh, putting more funding on that, organizing more of those NORCs as well as uh, solitary standing senior centers. So he has in some ways laid uh, a foundation for the next mayor to jump onto 
but there are a lot of other issues and challenges that that mayor is going to have to deal with. Right. And, you know, again, another example where Mayor de Blasio in his last year is setting up all these plans that are multi-year plans, you know, in, in some respects that that makes sense, you know, you want to put funding in a budget that's going to last a while, but in some ways, you know, the next mayor is really going to reevaluate uh, so much of what goes on, even, even as city government hurdles ahead, at least in the first, you know, months, if not year or so of, of the next mayor's term. But, you know, when when we talk about an aging city, when we talk about older New Yorkers, you know, there's a there's a whole host of challenges. We've we've outlined some of them in the initial you know portion of this discussion, but there's really a significant number. And, and a couple of the things that immediately come to mind, I mentioned earlier, transit, getting around the city, accessibility of of the subways, uh, ability you know to have access to the buses and then other forms of transportation that are needed, you know, for older New Yorkers and just the curb cuts getting around the city. Uh, if anybody, you know, needs, um, you know, supplementary help to, to get around, you know, those are often very challenging with, uh, in New York city. And then the housing issue isolation during the pandemic has been significant, but that's always an issue. It's just one of those other ones that has been heightened uh, during COVID. Um, you know, what are the what are the ways that the city can help combat that? That also includes making sure to close the, the digital divide further and get access to technology for seniors. Um, and, you know, we hit on this thing about about housing, but there's also this question of how to best suit city housing policy to both make sure that older New Yorkers can afford a nice place to live, but also, you know, there's all sorts of uh, issues around older people, very often women who live longer than men living alone in these large apartments that are either rent regulated or in NYCHA and how to best use, you know, the city's housing stock without being insensitive to older people who want to stay in their homes. You know, that ties into, as you said, this, these are all connected to larger issues. Totally. And obviously income underlies a lot of them. And, you know, people have talked for years about the adequacy of social security, whether it's going to be there for people who are retiring, especially when people your age and, and mine begin entering that phase of life, um, the adequacy of those benefits, even as they stand now, obviously some New Yorkers have pensions, um, some have 401ks, some don't. So there's been talk on the local level of trying to create something more of a, a retirement uh, safety net, a retirement income support that's been discussed. The workplace comes into this in a different, few different ways, aging people, Older adults face a lot of discrimination in getting promoted and keeping their jobs, certainly in finding new jobs. And there are problems in the workplace that serves those people. It's um, a workforce that is primarily women of color. Many of them are very poorly paid. Many of them paid poorly under city contracts. And so there are some large shortages in that uh, sector because of that. So that's a huge issue too. Um, elder abuse, um, the fear of, of street crime is, is very real uh, in a lot of these areas. And then the biggest puzzle is really, uh, well, there are many big puzzles, but perhaps the most challenging on a human level as well as financial is the long-term care question. And this is something so many families are wrestling with. Um, one consequence of people living longer is that sometimes their physical health um, keeps them alive, which is a wonderful thing, but um, their mental faculties may not be uh, as healthy as their physical state. And so you have people dealing with Alzheimer's, other cognitive problems, other forms of disability where they need long-term care, um, that raises huge cost questions. For many families, the caregiving is done by 
uh, a spouse or a sibling or a child, and that has massive impacts on family finances and people's emotional and physical health. And so solving that puzzle is something that obviously the city is not alone confronting, uh, but is something that candidates are going to be asked to talk about. And so far, Ben, we've heard from some of the candidates, um, Sean Donovan, Maya Wiley, Catherine Garcia, especially specific sort of set aside plans that either focus exclusively on aging or primarily on aging and the services that aging people need. Other candidates have certainly mentioned older New Yorkers in their other plans for other policy areas, whether that is um, social benefits or housing, but it's not something that has gotten a lot of attention. Um, there was a uh, forum recently, the City Limits helped sponsor where some candidates did make their views more clear, but it's something where I feel there are a lot of questions still out there for candidates to, uh, to answer. Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and before we get just into a few of those, you know, I think a couple of things. One, we've seen, um, you know, again, the pandemic has heightened so many things. And one of them is where does that long-term care happen? Because we've seen how uh, residents of nursing homes were so badly uh, affected by the pandemic, so many killed. That's obviously become a huge controversy for the governor, but it gets at other issues of the care that those homes are able to provide and how safe people are and wh how well-staffed and well-funded they are. And a lot of that does come through the state government, but of course the next city government will have a lot to say there too. And then there are issues of home care, uh, what that looks like, who's funding it, who's able to, who's able to afford it. Um, and then, and then there's also this continuum of older New Yorkers. There are people who are homebound, who again, mm -hmm. the, the risks around isolation are so much greater. The risk, the need to get into the home to do vaccinations is, is significant as we've seen during the pandemic. And then there's obviously people living very long lives, extremely active. And it's much more about sort of quality of life, finances, healthcare, as people age, um, you know, what the just the cityscape looks like uh, and, and opportunities as you got at to be able to continue to work if they are able to and choose and all sorts of issues like that. So uh, in terms of um, the kind of some of the big questions for mayoral candidates and candidates for other offices, you know, as far as, far as I'm concerned, you know, a lot of it does come back to housing, uh, housing affordability, comfort of housing, quality of life. And then also, as I said, connecting that to the city's larger housing stock, the question around whether the city should be building much more sort of senior focused housing to help people move into that housing with supports. And then also that helps free up units for, for larger families or, or individuals who need it. Yeah, that's obvious. I think that is probably the biggest question. Surveys indicate that that is the biggest worry for older adult New Yorkers is, is the housing question, whether they are homeowners or renters. Um, whether they're in a co-op or a freestanding home um, or in a nursing home, that is a huge, huge question tied tightly to, to services. I think other questions, obviously, as you mentioned before, COVID-19 exposed some real vulnerabilities among older New Yorkers. Um, hopefully this was a once in a lifetime crisis, but infectious disease is part of life in the city. How are you gonna protect older New Yorkers from future pandemics? How are you gonna make sure that they are uh, more able to receive vaccines quickly than they were in this case? And then the question of sort of the, the, when you pull back from this issue, what advocates in the aging field say is that one of the main obstacles is the stereotypes that surround aging. Um, the idea that older people are weak, that they are addled, um, that they are uh, unfriendly, all the you know kind of stereotypes and stigmas that are there. This feeds not just directly into things like workplace discrimination, but it makes it hard for people to sustain interest 
in this issue because it's seen as, to quote some people, just not very sexy. So how does the next mayor intend to use their office and the office and the agency that serves the aging to combat stigma and stereotypes and try to create a healthier embrace of this profound and in many ways really wonderful uh, demographic change the city is going to be going through. And just quickly, as you said, you know, all so many of these issues intersect. So not making it that aging is always its own thing, right? That there's not always just these announcements that focus on seniors, but how to integrate that with, um, you know, other other agencies, other city ac actions and government actions and policies that can show that integration with housing, with cultural life, uh, education, and so much more that makes it, you know, all part of the, the fabric of the city. Well, we are coming to the end of this video, but there are seven more. This is our eighth one. Uh, so if you want to binge watch, please go to GothamGazette.com or CityLimits.org. You can also visit their websites for other news about the 2021 campaign on this policy issue and others. If you listen to WBAI 99.5 FM every Wednesday at five, you'll hear Ben and I on the radio. If you have questions or want information about where, when, how, and perhaps why to vote, please go to vote.nyc. And please remember the primary is June 22nd, early voting begins June 12th.